0: This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash blue shirts breakaway today to get access to our BSBOTs, discord, and much more support the show. It's how we keep the lights on around these parts. Today's episode, we talk about Alexi Lafreniere signing a deal. Somehow was not really any news because it's all the number we knew, but we break it down and what has to happen for Lafreniere this year to be successful. We have a lot of fun talking about Mamma Mia and much more. So without further ado, here's Mark Messier, who we continually slander on this podcast once in a while. Love you, Mark, I think. All right, do you love it back? What do you think about the podcast? Okay, here we
1: go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast.
0: Break fans. Welcome to the Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello.
1: Let's talk Pete Alonzo, shall we? Get no, right into it. Gosh, what happened with Pete? What I miss? Oh, you didn't see the story yesterday that rival execs expect the Mets to trade Pete Alonzo this offseason? Is that true? That's. It's Bob Nightingale, so take it with a grain of salt here.
0: Oh, it's Bob. He's a he's going to sign a 13-year deal. <laughs> uh, at the same time, Bob
1: was the first one to have the Verlander to the Astros trade uh, this most recent trade deadline. So as much as I would love to make fun of Bob, and I'm going to make fun of Bob, I can't exactly say anything Bob says is historically inaccurate. You know? I guess.
0: Like, um we can get into this in this. St- uh, – let's get into it now. Fuck it. It's August. Uh, yeah, sure which is, is, which is. Which is the theme. I have one stupid ranger thing to play with you. I mean, we
1: got to talk laugh, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, would you want to trade him? No. I, I, I think I've been consistent in this point. Um, I was definitely consistent in this point with DeGrom. Now, listen, if Pete doesn't want to be here, so be it. That's what happened with DeGrom, where it just became clear he didn't want to be a Met anymore. And, you know, can't blame him. Uh, I, yes. I saw and was here for all of his Mets career. So if if DeGrom took one look around and was like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm out of here. I get it. Uh, I I just, I'm a legacy guy. I believe in the importance of legacy. And I think everything you hear and see and understand from Pete is he understands legacy as well. And listen, I don't know if Pete Alonso is going to be a Hall of Famer. Um He's got to hit a lot of a lot more home runs in order to do it. The threshold for a first baseman to make the Hall of Fame is so absurdly high that you know if Pete, for whatever reason didn't play baseball anymore it's a hard no, and a lot of things have to go right. I think a lot of things would be easier for him if he stayed a Met just because again, that shit matters like I think people look at Paul Goldschmidt differently because he left Arizona. I do. I, I honestly believe that. I think
0: if he didn't go to St. Louis, like, say he went to, I don't want to say the Padres. Like- no, say the
1: Padres because they're a team going for it. And, yeah, I, he went to a legacy franchise. At he did. Least. He did. And he, he left a non-traditional franchise in order to do it. So I don't think he gets dinged for it necessarily. I think he would
0: get dinged on the Padres. Big time in his legacy. Yeah, range. I just,
1: I don't know where Pete would go that would be worth it for him, not everyone can go to Texas. The Dodgers have no interest. Why would they? They have the best first baseman in baseball already. Um, San Francisco, I could see yeah, they're going to be involved in every. We're just going to keep saying San Francisco for everybody, huh? Uh, yeah, like, but I could
0: see them like going, like getting Otani and Pete and being like, This is our plan for the next 10 years. Yeah, Here
1: I get that. But I mean, again, Pete's a piece of Florida guy, so. He's he going to want to go West coast. <laughs> yeah. Pete went to Florida, man. I don't know what to tell you. He, he is know. a product of Gainesville.
0: Well, the Rays would never, I mean, they might, they might have the money now, but <laughs> they would never, they would never do it.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I truly believe in legacy and I just don't think Pete has ever said anything that makes me go, oh, I guess he doesn't want to be a Met. Um, I just think it means more. I, I, I've said this about Crider too, where if Crider had left the Rangers for the avalanche, Uh, which was on the table yeah at the 2020 deadline before the world stopped and everything changed and you know life as we know it forever evolved into what it is today I I think Chris Kreider would be viewed as a guy that had a really productive really good career definitely got his name on a cup if he went to Colorado but I don't think I think the narrative of Chris Kreider changes because he's going to be a lifelong ranger for the most part
0: Uh, unless unless and stay tuned for our bold predictions (laughs) Uh, coming out soon uh, in a couple weeks, we recorded it yesterday. By the way, sure did. So if, any, if anything changes, I'm excited us... for
1: people to hear about my weekend I had in four weeks. <laughs> it was funny because I asked you if you wanted to save for tomorrow. You said no, no, no. no. Uh, oh, I do have a second talking point for today though, but we can do it at the end.
0: I have well, I have I have one uh, here that I think is a little interesting, sure. uh, just a little, very little. Okay. Uh, you and I started our our podcasting careers on a little website called Reddit.com, which is since... shit. We sure did. Which has since gone to the pooper. The shits. Uh, yep. because they destroyed all their apps, and I've uh, it's made me very upset. I still use it to follow a couple things, but the Ranger Reddit is how we kind of got started, and mm-hmm. I, I don't use it nearly as much as I used to. Uh, actually, almost never over the past year and a half or so. But I'll
1: check time to time. Yeah, I'm just not I, on Reddit. I used to be Reddit used to be one of the five websites the I had open during my yes. day, and now I. Can't even fathom the scenario in which I'd visit reddit.com.
0: They ruined a lot of it. They ruined the entire experience, new Reddit, et cetera. I'm sure some people like it, but whatever. Uh, This is where I think this point comes home. Lafreniere last week signed a two-year, $2.3 million contract, finally, with the New York Rangers. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have sorted stories by the month on Rangers Reddit. Which place do you think Lafreniere, the only legitimate Ranger news... Is actually in in the top stories of the month. Seven. Yep. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yep. It is seven. No, number one is Chris Kreider ties the knot. Congratulations. Number two is a picture of Henrik Lundqvist. Uh-huh. And then number four. And I, you want to take a guess because you're never gonna get it.
1: Is it us? It is.
0: It, nope. It is a picture of Method Man at Center Ice. All right. The of Wu Tang Clan fame. So that's uh, like of Hard Knocks of where,
1: fame. He was on Hard Knocks this year too. Is that true? Oh, yeah. Okay? He, he had a whole thing on hard knocks.
0: Congratulations to the Matthew Man. Keep getting those checks, my friend. Uh, but, yeah, Lafreniere is signing a deal, the actual only real Rangers news over the past month and a half, mm-hmm. seventh place for That's the top of the month. Because no one cares.
1: That's interesting. I, I mean, it was inevitable. Um, let's have the Lafreniere conversation now. I just want to warn you that after the break, if or if we don't have a guest, we're going to have a very long conversation about the 2008 Acclaimed hit "Mamma Mia" because I got thoughts. Um, but anyway, Alexi Lafreniere, Excuse shall me? we? Yeah, no, no, no. Buckle up, we're going there, buddy. I'm sorry.
0: Okay. All I, right.
1: I, I have questions. I've never seen
0: "Mamma Mia." Is that that's bad? fine? That's fine.
1: Okay. No, I. Last night was the first for me, and I think you would admit I'm the movie guy between the two of us. This is true. I had a great time with it. We're gonna talk Abba. We're gonna talk everybody. That's called a tease in the industry. We're gonna talk meat and potatoes All right well, now let's with do, Alexi let's Lafreniere. Lafreniere now. <laughs> Yeah, we talked a lot about this on BSBOT, not to plug ourselves, but to plug the shit out of ourselves. Um, BSBOT, it, it's great, good content, good stuff.
0: It's extra content you didn't need that you probably like sometimes.
1: Yeah, and I was in a car driving in rain, dealing good with New York traffic. I mean, look, the the dedication we have to our Patreon followers is uh, it's, un- it's second to, second to none. It's crazy it's I, I it's think one the of those says it all. <laughs> yeah it well because it it truly truly is one of those situations where if i said what else is there to say everyone understands and probably would appreciate it and we'd all move on i i'm just going to reiterate points we said on bsbot um this isn't really a two year contract this is a one year contract it's it's a make or break we we throw the term around make or break do or die seasons a lot I don't see a scenario where Alexi Lafreniere and the New York Rangers relationship continues after this year, unless there is tangible evidence that a step forward was taken. If he simply repeats his season last year, not even, even, not even including the, what happens in the postseason. obviously, if he has a godsend of a postseason, it doesn't matter what he does in the regular season, but if Lafreniere doesn't stick at right wing in the top six, if he remains the third best option the Rangers have on the left wing, if he can't crack into their top power play unit if he if the rangers don't create a well-rounded secondary power play unit if Alexi lafreniere continues to just score 15 plus even strength goals and 35 plus even strength points Alexi lafreniere is just not going to be a new york ranger next uh in 2024 this is just not it's not going to be good for the rangers at some point, it's diminishing returns on their investment in terms of what they can get in trade. It's not going to be good for Alex Lafreniere, who at that point, it's going to be clear he needs to go somewhere else to reach whatever ceiling it is he needs to reach.
0: And to make the money he's expecting to make yes. in his career. And that I think that's the one thing that we've we kind of spoken about in the past, but gets lost. He can see all those other first-round picks sign these big contracts. And he's sitting there on a bridge. Capococco, very similar, by the way. This next contract for him, it's about making as much cash as possible. I think, that,
1: I think Kako has established himself enough where he's going to make a good amount of money. He will get a six or a five or six year deal kind of no matter what. He'd Unless be- he doesn't. And the only reason he doesn't is he doesn't want it. Is If his
0: agent says, let's take one more bridge two years and then cash out after that. Or
1: if Chris Jory works his black magic on Kako and is like, hey, I only gave uh, Phil Heedle. Have you heard of him? a four-year deal, so why don't you take the same, sir? Uh, Kako taking a four-year deal would be a criminal for him. Uh, it sure would, but I, NHL agents, buddy.
0: I guess. Uh, but Lafreniere has, has to look at all these other people getting paid $7 million plus, and he's on a bridge thinking, my potential is being ruined by the New York Rangers, an organization that has not given me the ample opportunity. Uh, and when they have, it's been out of spite, and it's been out of media criticism, and my, my former coach didn't coach me, and I'm in a bad position. So because of that...
1: Well, you, you disagree? <laughs> no, but I think you can, if you wanted to look glass half full, it seems like Lafreniere has never lost the confidence of Chris Drury. So you could, you could say, and Chris Drury, I'm sure, said in negotiations, like, hey, man, I had a decision to make where I was either going to be Team Gallant or Team Lafreniere, and I hope that I firmly prove to you, Alexi Lafreniere, that I am Team Lafreniere. I fired a coach who wasn't working with you, almost specifically Alexi Lafreniere. Because you can make an argument, Gerard Gallant... That, wow, I am not going to defend Gerard Gallant. I want to make this abundantly clear yes, before I go don't. down this road. Please, But Capo grew under Gerard Gallant, clearly. I, I don't think he grew offensively that we all expected, But Kabo Kako is such a good, solid, well-rounded right winger that you and I, and everybody listening to the show, doesn't have any hesitation to say this guy is not only the best right wing option we have, it's hard to fathom them having a better right wing option. That's an honest to God statement. We're not using hyperbole. It's true. Kapokako, as a number one right wing on a team with Stanley Cup aspirations, that sounds like a winning formula to us. And part of that is because he took massive steps forward under Gerard Gallant. Philip Hedl took massive steps forward under Gerard Gallant. Now, whether you want to say those steps forward were done in spite of how Gallant was using Hedl, I think that is not necessarily unfair to do. But the argument remains that Philip Hedl, in those two years under Gerard Gallant, is truly a better player and firmly a player involved in the Rangers' long-term future, where, again, think about how we were talking in regards to Heedle when Gallant took over. He was fodder in a Jack Eichel trade. We didn't feel great about it, but we felt fine because you were getting Jack Eichel. Alexi Lafreniere, it looked like he was taking a step forward that first year, but of the three quote-unquote kids, he's the only one that really hasn't grown. Now, Again, I'm here to put that blame on Gerard Gallant. He misused him. He was very stubborn about where he put him in the lineup. The entire right-wing situation is going to come to a head immediately in camp this year, for sure. But the fact also remains that the two other kids found a way to grow under Gerard Gallant. And one the one that another. didn't is Alexis Lafreniere.
0: Correct. And Kako didn't have the offensive game, like you said, but became a defensive two-way player that yes. we did not expect. And partially that started under Quinn but fully formed under Gallant. And uh, as we know now, the practices were not as intense as they, we thought they were. And so those they, they took their own time to become that player. Alexis Lafreniere, and, and this isn't the joke about him working out in the offseason or anything like that, he just hasn't taken that step. His skating hasn't moved forward. He has not been the dynamic passer we all expected him to be. He's not been the playmaker, whether he's been given the opportunity or not. I think I think one of the our, my favorite points we ever made in this show is that Sometimes you have to force the coach's hand to say, I can't believe you're not putting me in this position. And if there's never been a a point where I've looked at Lafreniere and said, you know what, he deserves power play one time. I'd almost always, gone to my head, say, Hedl or Kako should be on power play one before Lafreniere, despite the pedigree that Lafreniere has. And I actually don't think it's particularly close. So he's never forced the issue, but he also hasn't taken the step. And that's part of the reason why he got that bridge. Now, that's a good thing for the Rangers to... Uh, have the ability to give Alexi Lafreniere the bridge, but now he needs to actually step up because after this, paying him is going to cost other pieces. If if he broke out the way we thought he would, paying him this time around would have had to cost serious other pieces on the roster. Not sure Heedle would still be here. Maybe they wouldn't have signed Trocek. I have no fucking idea. But the the, the case is, right now he hasn't broken out to the potential we all thought he could. And unfortunately, we're going to be sitting this season saying if he doesn't break out, this is the last time we can get legitimate value for him because we're not going to be paying in the next contract.
1: Exactly. And again, you could also make an argument, at least you and I would make the argument, that the best thing Alexi Lafreniere could have done for himself in terms of maximizing future salary demands is by taking the bridge because simply put, again, we keep talking about this cap spike. It's coming. It's going to happen. Alexi Lafreniere, if he signed a four-year deal, versus Alexi Lafreniere, if he signed a two-year deal, his next contract could start with a five. No question. And it probably should, as long as he continues to develop and grow in the way that we expect him to. But if he took a four-year deal now, number probably would have started with a three, and he would have left money on the table four years from now. Simply put. So, I don't know. If I'm Alexis Lafreniere, I would have been chomping at the bit to get a two-year deal done, because again... I know that if I don't have a good year this year in New York, I can get out of here, go to a team where I can probably, because again, you have to think, the teams that would want Alexis Lafreniere in trade aren't current playoff contenders. He's not going to go to Boston, where he's going to have to fight for time. He's not going to go to Carolina, where he's going to have to fight for time. If it doesn't work here, he's likely going somewhere, Montreal, possibly, Ottawa, possibly, West coast teams like the flames, possibly somewhere where he's going to be force fed minutes. Cause he has to be force fed minutes. Cause they have a lack of talent. I just, I, whoa. Hello. <laughs> oh, hey, I guess I'm hey. dying. No. Um, yeah. I mean, these are all points we've either said outright or danced around on the podcast for a significant amount of time. It's just this, I, I think I, I said this, um, in a future podcast that'll be released at a future date. It, it's no longer a hot take to say this is Alexi Lafreniere's last season as a New York Ranger. I think it's a viable option if things don't work out.
0: I couldn't agree more, which is really funny to think the letter came out 2018, right? Five years ago at this point. Mm. And of the rebuild, if we trade Alexi Lafreniere players that have stayed is like Keandre, I guess Fox, if you want to count that, Kako and Heedle. <laughs> the rest is, the rest is kind of gravy. That like in terms of young talent you got and obtained during that time, that'll be that'll be it. It's like almost like hey, rebuild number two, starting again in two three years. If if Alexa Lafreniere gets traded, because it's go for the cup now. Clearly they are. I, I I think the the mandate is go for the cup every single year. But you can only do that for so long until you have to hit the reset button again. So in three years. From now, when Panarin's like 34 or whatever it is, Kreider's 34 as well, okay, well, time to time to hit that reset one more time. But they're not going anywhere anytime soon. And luckily for the Rangers, um, a lot of free agents, including hopefully a very big one in 2026, will come join the team.
1: <laughs>
0: Look, it's not, I, I think it's very possible. It's going to be I, what we talk I, about did I 25. say Did
1: I disagree with you? I'm allowed to giggle, sir. It's my show. I just... It would be insane to have him. That's all. <laughs> no shit, Ryan. <laughs> I
0: How want about Otani? That?
1: Yeah. So. Oh god, Otani, poor guy. What I know. Feel I feel so him? bad. The it stories so that are bad. coming out now about Otani are just pissing me off. They're just sad, dude. They're yeah, not, they're not now, worth it. Now I gotta tell you, this pissing match that he seems to have gotten into with the Angels, I've never been more confident he's not going yeah, back. Yeah. Good luck. They know he's not
0: staying, and that's why they're doing the pissing match.
1: Yeah. Oh, we're just following whatever advice Otani wants to take. Uh, we're letting him dictate the course of his own re Okay, got it. He's not going to be an angel next year. I Sounds understand good. what you're saying.
0: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for letting us know you're not paying him. Really appreciate
1: it. I probably could have guessed that already, but yeah, uh, you're really hammering home the point now. What I was, uh, how what many playoff
0: wins did you guys have with Trout, Tony.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. How many playoff wins have you had with Trout, by the way? Of uh, a... Uh, uh, I think six. Oh, okay, good for you. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm upset. It was
0: a long time ago, dude. <laughs> I
1: know. I, 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 listen. I went toe to toe with one of the historically best teams in our league, and apparently, I don't know if you saw Mookie Betts just stopped getting out.
0: Yeah, I so uh, I I saw the the screen grab in the bar yesterday. It was like Mookie Betts hit 35 home run, uh, 35th home run to beat the Red Sox. It's like, man, that that's bad. <laughs> it is bad.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. You want to talk about uh, poor traffic decisions by Greg, a, a, a long running staple of this show. Uh, guess who didn't check the schedule as he's driving into Boston on Friday to wonder why there's so much traffic in and around the city. Mm. I literally, I got to Mike's about an hour later than I expected. I was like, Hey man, are the do Red Sox have a game today? And he's like, yeah, Mookie's back. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> oh, that's I why. should have got here four hours ago is what I, is what you're telling me. The got Mookie it.
0: trade is all time historic bad. Awful.
1: Worse Terrible. than Trey Lance trade.
0: Uh, I'm not sure. I think so.
1: The Niners gave up a lot for Trey Lance.
0: They gave up a shit ton. Uh, but Mookie is like a perennial all-star. But then you
1: also you, you it's not only what the what the Niners it's gave in up. Different baseball though. Like that's we, your
0: fucking guy.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like you look at what the Dolphins were able to do with the assets they got for Trey Lance, and it's like they got Tyreek Hill, they got Jalen Waddle, they got an offensive lineman, and they got another first-round pick. And then Mookie you Benz add Mookie
0: Betts is on every kid's wall in true, Boston.
1: True, true, but also add in the fact that the, the Niners by simply taking Trey Lance also didn't take Micah Parsons, Jalen Waddle, Kyle Pitts. They Jamar likely Chase. win a Super Bowl
0: if they do the right thing. I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, which yeah that hurts, but you know what else matters a lot? Having Mookie Betts for a <laughs> fucking decade, dude. <laughs> He's a perennial MVP candidate who is likable in the face of your franchise. Cool. Uh, you're bringing up some interesting points. Uh I mean if if they would have just given the money as they get money they gave to Devers to bets at the time mm. like you'd rather give it to bets it's not close. Yeah, I'd say so. I I like Devers, it's bets by a mile.
1: Yeah. By miles. Cuz there's also the whole aspect of bets can play anywhere and do it well.
0: He plays second base and he, outfield.
1: But he plays no shortstop. No one does that.
0: He plays shortstop. No one does this shit. Whatever. And he's good
1: at all though. Also, uh Nobody plays second base in outfield, sir. Have you met Jeff McNeil? Come on.
0: Sorry, I'm sorry. My apologies. How dare you,
1: sir? <laughs> yeah. Brandon Lau, cool. Um poor guy. I feel like okay. things have gone poorly for Brandon Lau. They they're okay.
0: He's he's he got a he's the only. he's one of the only contracts in race history. So I think he made <laughs> it. He's just signed an eight-year deal. He did okay. I,
1: oh no, you know what I saw Brandon Lau in the news for today? He uh, called I the Yankees a last place organization. Yeah, he <laughs> eviscerated the Yankees. That's what I saw Brandon Lau for today. Yeah, he's
0: like, oh, they're in last place. We're not really worried about them. Okay, that makes
1: sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, uh, <laughs> no. he's got a point. <laughs> no lie,
0: no lie. Disastrous uh, Yankee season. Fun mm. Times. Yeah, Mets. Uh, did I want to talk in last
1: place too. Mama
0: Mia! Before we get to our
1: guests, <laughs> no, I, uh, I think Mama Mia needs to happen after the guests because I think okay. we're going to go off the rails more than we usually do. <laughs>
0: Makes sense. Uh so we did La Ferriere, we did everything else. Anything else this time? I guess we're
1: good. Uh, it's, we go we'll to, take a little break. We'll come back, do five stars, we'll talk Mamma Mia. I'm doing your job for you here right now. It's God, pretty good great.
0: Job, good job by you, Greggy. Thank good you, job by thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Transition thank you. to our dear friend Josh or nobody else. Bye. Transition. Hey, we're back with our dear data friend Josh, who we've had. Um, Josh, you and I have had many, many conversations about the New York Rangers in the past, uh, mostly about data. You know, some prospect work. But <laughs> I, believe he, I ourselves... believe
1: he goes by Doctor Joshi e. J now. Do- uh, Sorry,
2: Doctor Dr. Dr. Joshi e. J, data analyst. All good.
0: <laughs> 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 what's What's really, really funny is that Josh is one of the smartest people I talk to. <laughs> And I don't know if that says more about me or more about you, Josh. Uh, we lost you. Were, are you still uh, there, my so, friend?
2: Yeah, I'm still there. I'm just, you know, driving through Queens. So that
0: make that makes sense. All right, so here, look. One of the yeah. things we I, I always reference from you directly. Is this one particular stat you talk about very often, where goal teams can only score so many goals a season? So, for example, Lafreniere and Kako maybe their goals are depressed, but that's because Panarin, Mika, and Kreider are eating up all the goals. Is it? And this is like true throughout the entire NHL, right? Could you kind of go into your spiel a little bit about uh, wh- how many goals teams can score throughout a season?
2: Yeah. So, like you know, for the most part, like I told you guys, I love to do this when I'm trying to. Find copium about Lafreniere and Kako it, it, it's really all fueled by that um and other things uh, and uh what happens is like if you're looking at all of the goals that were scored over the last few years yo very rarely do you have teams that even come close to scoring 300 goals most of the time like I believe when I was writing it up most of the contenders are really between like like right at 290 Maybe a little bit more, a little bit less. Like, the teams that score more than that are the teams that were, like, the Florida Panthers or, you know, these Buffalo Sabres that are known as, like, these high-flying teams that can't really do much else. Um, So, the way I was looking at it is, like, okay, you know, like, if we think, if the Rangers are a contender, they would probably have to score between 280, 290 goals. And I think at even strength, that number is maybe around, like, 180, 190. I forgot what I wrote exactly. But if Panarin and Zibanejad are playing on two separate lines and they're both capable of 100 points and Lafreniere and Kako are not contributing to those points at all because they don't play on the same power play unit, they don't play on the same line, you know, how many goals do we really expect them to score? It, it, It becomes tough and it's not, you know, it's not, it goes beyond even just being like, oh, let's compare them to other third liners or other this or other that. You have to compare them to players... That are being used similarly, both in terms of ice time and deployment, but also how many, how much are they being leaned on to score, right? Like there's some third lines that are super sheltered that get a lot of the goals, right? Like Seattle had that really, really good bottom six line with, I, I you know, I think Sprong and Tolvin had played on different lines. But, you know, those are guys who could score goals, but that's because they needed that third line to score goals. So that's mostly what, you know, that whole spiel is all about. And, you know, if we really start to break it down, you know, the game is 60 minutes. You're probably on 5-on-5, five five, maybe 45 minutes, maybe less, right? Like, maybe, to be totally honest, both teams have, what, an average of, like, three, four power plays a night. You know, so, yeah, okay, like 45 minutes or so. Yo, if Lafrenier and Kako end up not spending time with Panarin, not spending time with Zabanajad, Adam Fox spends time with those guys... They're, you know the guys that they're fucking stuck with you know are like Truba Schneider and the revolving door of seventh defensemen you know like they're they're constantly sort of strapped in both in terms of potential to score and who else they're playing with like just playing with Adam Fox alone would probably boost anybody's point totals by 15 20 points you know
1: well this this essentially boils down to the the, the Lafreniere of it all Comes to the biggest talking point we've been saying for probably the last seven months: Is this guy going to be able to stick on the right side, play second line right wing along with Alexi uh, Artemi Panarin, and what we hope to be Phil Heedle? And is that going to give him the natural boost offensively that he needs? Where? We're not relying on him getting 15 plus points off the power play in right. order to get to that 45 point mark. But that that's the question we've just never been able to answer either because Gerard Gallant didn't want to answer it, or Gerard Gallant was shielding Alexi Lafreniere from the criticism about not being able to do it.
2: Yeah, and honestly, you know, like for the most part, like I, I know you guys were like pretty much like, yo, hate you know, like I hate you, Gallant, like right from the beginning, and I respect it. Thank you. At first, at first, like I was, you know, like I was like, you know, you got to give him a shot. You got to do this. You got to do that. And, you know, I'm willing to defend him because of, you know, the players also like played like shit for the most part at the end. But, um, you know, Lafreniere, when he was on the right side with Trochik and Panarin, that line was ridiculous in terms of their five on five offense, like the five on five offense that the Rangers were producing fell apart when they took that line away. And that was because Trochek had seven posts against Arizona. Right? Like if he hit two of those posts into the net, like it would it might have been a completely different narrative. Like Lafreniere was fine on the right side with Panarin. Oh, okay, you know, like the defensive numbers were a bit mid. But Panarin, after his first year, for the most part, you know, it's a little bit more high flying. Like you know that you're gonna be getting up some chances, so screw it, right? And like, isn't
1: isn't that the reason you bring Trochek in a historically sound defensive forward that makes up for laps of judgment and mistakes from the wings that play with him
2: i don't know if trocek was defensively sound in terms of like you know like he's not near the level of kako you know kako analytically is a legitimate defensive player like top you know i think top 10 percentile right um uh but the thing is with trocek is I think a lot of, I, I like the player. I like that. He's like a you know, straight line player, agitating player. I don't know if he's that great defensively, but I think a lot of these numbers are also inflated a little bit by the fact that he did play that season and a half in Carolina who honestly, like I hate them. I hate the hurricanes. I feel like a lot of their style is also like super annoying too. Like, dude, I don't care if you had 25 point shots, man. Like, that's probably not going in every night. It's they're, they're so good because, you know, like a lot of teams do want to play a Wednesday night game in Raleigh all the time. You know what I mean? Like they look like a machine, but, you know, like 20 point shots from this player, like I don't really give a shit. Like what they do is like they, they constantly shoot the puck and cause scrambles. And I think Trochuk was really, really good with that. But the Rangers do the opposite. Like, you know, they look for like that perfect shot, that perfect play all the time. And you know, I feel like the ideal thing is to mix them both together. But I don't know if Trochik is that great defensively. But I think Trochik is the kind of guy that could go straight to the fucking net and have Lafreniere or Panarin constantly hit him because they're causing so much havoc when when they were actually playing well together.
1: I think to give you the numbers, to give you the numbers, Josh, because I'm a good guy like that. Oh, um sure. The xGA per sixty without Vincent Trochik on the ice was two thirty five. Or negative ten percent to league average, according to Hockey Viz, with Trocek on the ice over twelve hundred minutes, uh, the xGA per sixty was two forty two, which is negative seven. So not a stalwart defensively, but more than capable of holding his own.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know what? Honestly, I was I was looking at it too. Like the Rangers' defensive numbers, I think last year on Hockey Viz was really really good. Yeah, and that's with and that's with the revolt. Their problem is that these pieces of shit, bro. Like they always try to go for that backdoor pass. Like after that backdoor pass isn't working, they're like, damn, what do we do next? I don't know. I don't know. Like if you look at their if you look at the heat map of where they're shooting the puck, it's, you see it from like the back post on the right side. Like they keep having Panarin or Kreider like trying to either tap it in or, you know, just send it through that way. Or, like, you just see Jacob Truba shooting, like, 15 uh, shots from that right point. Like We all know red. that.
0: That's, like, his, his signature. Little...
2: Yeah. So, honestly, like, what they really have to do is be like, yo, we should stop that all the time. And Jacob Truba should hit the net or stop shooting. <laughs> you know, those three things, honestly, all together, probably immediately improve their analytics numbers because the shots are coming from better places and more frequently.
0: This is such a good question. Like, what are the amount of wins the Rangers add if Jacob Trouba is not allowed to shoot anymore? <laughs> I, <laughs> like, to
1: see. I, I think – you guys discredit. I had a whole story about why I just fucking love Jacob Trouba being like, see puck, shoot puck. No, no one's saying it's not a great thing. I don't,
2: I don't <laughs> mind, but the Rangers just have nobody to retrieve that puck, or at least they'll get it on net. You know, like, you know, don't shoot it into – you know city feel bro like, the glass
1: the, over the yeah. glass for sure uh, jo- josh making a met reference are we rubbing off on you josh it's because I, mean, I work in queens now man i
2: explicitly i was like yo where can i work sort of that i could Find Greg, you know, during the worst day of his life, just so I could say hi. You
1: know? I got—I got to tell you, not to go completely off the rails, but this is what we do best. I'm stunned. You just—you feel like the ideal tennis crowd attendee. So I can't believe you're not at the U.S. Open right now.
2: Okay, yo, do you want to know something really? Se- oh, where the fuck am I going? Do you want to know Good something question. really secret? You want to know something really secret about me, bro? When, in my youth, before I didn't hit my growth spurt. Dude, I was like a top tier tennis player.
1: I got I, I, I can see oh, it. I the, you got the flow for it.
2: That's all yeah, it I know. D- this doesn't surprise yo, me at all. Yo, another secret, ready? we uh, well, announce. <laughs> I cut my hair. No! Oh, no! Yeah. no! oh yeah. No. Oh, no. I donated oh. it. I donated it and I'm uh, I'm going to start growing it out again. That's another reason why my camera is off. I I couldn't come to terms with it.
0: It's okay. Oh, we God. don't use
1: cameras for these. But I don't want Josh, I don't want to see you until it's back. That's... I don't want
2: honestly. Yo, I I I, I kept waking up at like three in the morning on Saturday. I was like, yo, what's going on with me? What's going on with me? <laughs> and then I'm like I'm realizing yo, I'm not myself anymore. And then I start having like random nightmares about getting into car accidents. I'm like, yo, this only happened after <laughs> 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 like, like, I, like I cut my hair and I'm starting to have panic attacks at night. Like, what's going on here? You've
0: lost a
1: part
2: of so, yourself, but
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, I I'm I'm not a I'm not a biblical Dude, crazy. student, but I'm pretty positive you're Samson. That's that's what I'm hearing
2: yeah I'll, I'll go with it man i haven't been to
1: synagogue in a minute oh my god anyway back to the
0: Rangers, just for just two seconds we, then we can honestly that was more important that was the most important news we've dropped in like three weeks i'm ups, i'm guess. upset
1: i'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm gonna be completely honest That like you not having hair that essentially that's the worst news i got today and i considered whether the mets were going to trade pete alonso earlier <laughs> good times
0: uh, Josh. Yo, are
2: they though? Yo, Pete Alonso screwed me over on a bet, so like.
0: <laughs> he's out. You're out. You're out on Pete Alonso.
2: Whoa. Yeah, I I, I, I think I am. Can I? I, can,
1: look- I, can, I can I hit you uh, just to get back to the Rangers? Can I hit mm-hmm. you with something that just absolutely stunned my, uh, my me to the floor? Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. I, I wanted to look at Panarin's five-on-five defensive difference numbers. Yeah. Exact same as Truba uh, Trochek's. Now, this is where I ask you, Josh, is did Panarin have an uncharacteri- uncharacteristically good defensive year last year because he was playing with Vincent Trocek? Or was it simply that um, it's hard to weigh the individual's impact in these more conglomerate stats? Bang, bro.
2: There you go. So, honestly, this is sort of how I feel after uh, we got screwed by Patrick Nemeth and, you know, players of that caliber. Um if you look at it and like honestly, yo, we hate Patrick Bacon on here. I forgot, yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Oh, fuck that dude, bro. Yo, <laughs> uh, uh, no, like I'm, I'm tired of just looking at percentiles for a lot of these situations because a lot of the times, you know, percentiles don't really tell you anything about the player, like the difference between. A 95th percentile and a 99th percentile is significant. Same thing with like 5% and 1%, like, you know, with the Eric Carlson debate. So I don't like just looking at a number and it's like, oh, it's 4% different. Who cares? The other thing is, if players stay together, like attached at the hip, you're you're not going to isolate them. You could try all you want. You could have those couple of minutes of maybe that they're away from that player or that guy's on the, you know, in the penalty box and he comes out and the other guy stays on. But if the guys stay on together... You're going to start seeing a pretty, you know, homogeneous type of profile, and I think that's why we see, you know, anybody that Braden Schneider was playing with, you know, pretty much rubbing off on him, right? Because Braden Schneider's numbers don't look that great, but he was also playing with guys who shouldn't be in the NHL constantly, so, and this yeah,
0: is constantly,
2: constantly. this is why
0: Ryan Strom got paid and looked like he had such an amazing advancement. Yeah when he was playing with Artemi Panarin because he didn't play with anybody else the entire year.
2: But on the, you know but what but with what Greg was saying right like I don't think I think Panarin is also underrated a little bit defensively like I know I just said that usually his lines are a bit of like a tire fire type of thing but that's because you know if you're you're generating a lot of offense chances are you miss the sh- you know you miss a shot it's starting to ring around and Jacob Truba, Schneider, or the, you know, the seventh defenseman boys, you know, like, you know, they don't hold the puck in, all of a sudden, you know, don't get away. So, you know, it, it becomes tough in that way, but I, you know, I do think Panarin and Trocek as a combo has shown that it would work with Lafreniere and maybe with anybody else to the right of it as well. The question is about finding, like, that overall depth while still helping the kids out.
1: Um, I will say that, I, so I've gone back to 21 22 a year in which Panarin spent the entire year with Ryan Strom. Uh he was 242 with Trocheck 260 with Strom. Yeah. So there was there was a clear impact of having a better defensive forward playing with Panarin even if you want to give credit I mean and again it's important to note that while this number is below the NHL average it's significant when Panarin's not on the ice the defense is significantly better.
2: Yeah, and you know, like that but a lot who knows what, you know, the coaching schemes, how much that matters, how much anything matters, right? Like you, well, we, we, had, we we can you say pretty isolate. we can
1: say pretty confidently Gallant didn't change shit from year yeah. 1 to year 2. So the yeah, only thanks. reason yeah. Panarin's defensive numbers would be better from one year to one is who he's playing with, and in this case that's Vincent Trocheck.
2: And you know what, with that kind of logic, I would have to say yeah, I agree. I agree. So you know, if we want to say that Trocek improves it to a certain extent, you know, I'm willing to say it is, you know, one fifth of a goal every 60 minutes, which is essentially every four games on five on five. If he plays 50 minutes a game, does it matter? I don't know. You know, maybe, maybe. Uh, at least it's better in theory. So that that's fine enough for me.
1: Well, also, uh, I'll give you, I'll give you another theory, just to, just to say I did it. Phil Heedle last year, actually one of the maybe the, according to Hockey Viz, Phil Heedle was the best defensive center the Rangers had last year. It's not even close.
2: So yeah, I mean, at the same time, right? Like, how many minutes was he playing with Kako? Right. Like right. these are these are these things, right? I think we have enough data to show that Kako is probably a close, if not a, an elite defensive player. Um, and you know, Philip Hedel is playing. of the season with Kako, like that's going to rub off on him for sure. Um, But I think Philip Kittle is developing in his own way too. Like, you know, to be totally honest, he was probably, you know, because he's so fast and he's so big, he was probably a really good option for defensemen to, uh, if they ever did make a short pass, which they never did with Gallant, like at least break it out that way. So, you know, these are a lot of things that I do think, you know, the Rangers would be improving upon this year too. Like it's why I'm actually a little bit excited. I think the kids will will need the puck on their stick. And I think, you know, based on like the practices that we saw from Muse on Twitter, like those three random clips, um, and the fact that, you know, now, you know, Schneider is going to be playing with a puck mover one way or another. It's going to be Gustafson or it's going to be Jones, right? Like he's got options to make a short pass and these guys can make, you know, better passes. Maybe the Rangers will be at with more structure, will be in better places to receive pucks and break out better. You know, like, I know we give them a lot of shit about not being a fast team, but, you know, I also just started watching soccer because I want to bet on it. Nice job. Thank you. You know, uh, the fastest teams don't always win, right? It's not about, oh, my God, you know, that's it. They're screwed because the game is all about speed. It's not about speed. It's, like, skating-wise. It's about decision-making, too. And if the Rangers are never in a proper position to make simple passes or, like, you know, how many times are you watching and you're like, dude, just... How do you not catch that pass? Or how do you not make that pass? Like, just breaking out of the defensive zone. Well, that's because they
0: get trapped in the neutral zone constantly. Whereas the only person that can break the neutral zone, and stop me if you've heard this before, is Adam Fox. Everybody else cannot do it.
2: Exactly. So, you know, you got to give, you know, Miller a little bit of free reign, right? Like, let him go nuts with it. Like, you know, small passes break it out. Like, they don't need to be blistering fast. They just need to make a couple of passes in a row and make the defenseman move and get into the zone and then not try to always do these backdoor plays. Like, okay, I don't mind them doing it, but, yo, if your team is 32nd or so, like I remember listening on like Valley Cat's podcast on, on Arthur's stable, I don't know, whatever, Valley said it. But pretty much, yo, the team was 32nd, 32nd in the league in rebounds, you know? Like you can't be that good. I don't give a shit. You can't be that good. You can't have the amount of talent that they obviously do. And be 32nd in the league on rebounds. Like something is not adding up. You're either not getting it or you're not shooting from a point where you could be generating the rebounds. Like it doesn't make sense. Hold on.
0: Let me, let me add something to this. What if I told you they weren't coached?
2: Yeah, that's it, right? That's what I'm, that's, that's pretty much what we're implying. That they're not, they're just going for the, which I get it, right? Like they're going for the high danger chances, which I agree with. And, you know, the way I, the way I see it, and this goes back to like shitting on the Hurricanes, is like, yo, you could shoot. 10 10 shots worth 10% of a chance, like obviously they're worth lower in the NHL, but let's say that 10 shots with a 10% chance of being in the net, right? Or would you rather shoot two shots at a 0.25% chance of being at the net? So even though you have a 50% chance on one end and a 100%, you know, on a a one expected goal on the other end, because those 0.25, right, like those quarter shots more likely to cluster with a goal than you know a 10 percent shot you're probably going to see more conversion and I think that's what the Rangers do like they constantly go for these really really good shots they don't get a lot of them they don't get a lot of the really bad ones either but because they have the skill they convert on them and that's why we see them be like oh my god they don't generate any offense but they're still like in the top half of the league in goal scoring or you know, they always have guys that are high producers, which is another reason why I think Kako, keto Lafreniere have struggles in scoring. Because like I said, you know, if there's only 290 goals and about 200 of them are already pretty much covered by Kreider, Zibanejad, Fox, Panarin. Yo, how many goals do you expect them
1: to score? Like, what's there? I also wonder sometimes if the Rangers do themselves a disservice because... How many times have the three of us and anybody listening to this podcast made note of the unrelenting offensive pressure the Rangers kid line typically puts on an opponent, constantly traps them in their own defensive zone, unable to get the puck off their stick, simply wearing down their opponent. And then more times than not, we transition from this relentless offensive zone attack to what was one of the most passive fourth lines in the entire NHL, which essentially allows an opponent to catch their breath. And it's as simple as, again, Gerard Gallant, one, one comes before two, comes before three, comes before four, whereas a different head coach, you could put your fourth line out whenever the hell you think your team needs a breather and needs to get their foot off the gas. But wouldn't any other team think to put their more skilled offensive players out after the kids because you're playing against a weakened opponent?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like, it, that, you know, that part didn't make sense. The fact, you know, how many times were they putting on pressure, right? And the puck ends up going on Ben Harper's stick, right? Like, they make all this pressure, <laughs> they grind them down. They bring the puck back up to the point, and it's like a floater. Like, who gives a shit? Who cares if you just held the puck, at least in terms of shot metrics, right? Like, because remember, all of our analytics today is based on entirely, was there a shot event, Right. How many times do we see the Rangers holding the puck in the zone for seconds, right? 30 seconds, 45, a whole shift, like not just the kid line, right? And then they don't get anything out of it. By the shot metrics, it doesn't matter, right? But but by actual puck possession, like, you know, maybe there was a little bit more credit there and they couldn't really get it going or they couldn't activate the defense enough. But absolutely, right? Like, you know, you have this kid line giving you pressure and then you have Phantom Jake, uh, who else was an awesome player that we got to see? Johnny uh, Brodzinski, uh,
1: a lot of Johnny Brodzinski.
2: Oh, a lot of Johnny Brodzinski, man. And you know what, yo, part of me wonders if that, you know, if that's because like they wanted a trade for him back when he was in LA when we were first starting the rebuild. If you remember, like they were always scouting like the LA Kings minor league team. Mm-hmm. Right? And if, and I was looking at it, I was like, Yo, the Rangers love themselves some Americans, who's the only American college player on the la minor league team and it was johnny bronzinski i was like oh yeah they're gonna trade for this oh my team.
0: god <laughs> well Sign we at, at least Br- we've like redone the, the scouting staff at this point everybody's Dude, gone yo he's his
2: contract expires next year do you i think they bring him back i think you know if they give him like another two years he could be like a six-year ranger if you really think about it Brunzinski? Like, yeah like if you really think about it like he's this is i think his third or fourth year already
0: that's how i know we're in august
2: that's crazy (laughs) That's crazy. like johnny bronzinski would be like a longer ranger than pavel buchnevich in terms of seasons i'm gonna kill myself
0: okay Um, uh i think we've we talked a lot about the defense and i think you've kind of hit on this enough but i i think the rangers are notoriously a terrible 5v5 team and you're so you're saying like they're not actually a terrible 5v5 team, but the metrics think they are. Correct? Is that, am, I, am I interpreting
2: that correct? After breathing in all the copium, yes. Yes, but, okay. Uh, but no, I mean, what I'm saying is, like, I think they are terrible in generating shots. But the question is, why are they doing it? And if it's something that could be resolved. So if the problem is because after they grind everything down or they c- control the puck, they bring it back. And unless it's Adam Fox with the puck on his stick or K. Andre Miller, it's not going anywhere. Or it's like, yo, they're just refusing to shoot, right? You know, like, there's a lot of chances where they don't get the rush chances or, like, the rebounds, man. Like, if you really think about it, just shooting the puck and then having three whacks at it in front of the net is worth so much in terms of – because it's right in front of the net. If you really think about how much – how these uh, models are calculating the expected goal likelihood, yeah, dude, like, you know – Six inches away from the net is going to be worth a hell of a lot more than wherever the hell they're shooting it from at even the top of the circles. Do we? So, do we think know?
0: part of this is like, hey, one of our strategies for scoring goals is we're trying to shoot pucks at Chris Kreider's stick, and part of that leads to less rebounding. I'm just just bullshitting here. Well, maybe on the t-
2: maybe on the top line, right? That might explain why Zibanejad doesn't have that many five-on-five goals. Like, that that could be a nice little theory there, right? Like, I'm willing to... But, you know, these are the things that I think we still have a lot to grow in terms of the analytics movement, right? Like, there's so much that we could really get to in terms of the events. And then really... Like, we're doing a really good job in painting a probable picture, assuming that everything remains the same that year-to-year, game-to-game. But, you know, we saw it with our own eyes that, yo, if you really saw how the Rangers were playing, like, the first... Even, like, ten games, right, after they before they started to like completely have the wheels fall off, they looked great. They were generating offense in multiple ways on the rush, on the rebounds. You could literally, if you go on, like if you go on HockeyViz and you do the time lapse, if you have the membership, if you do the time lapse of the Rangers five on five offense, you could literally see it fall off a cliff in November, like November 10th or something. But before that, you're looking at it, you're like, yo, this is a cup team. Because they were generating that much offense so uniquely. Every line was doing it a different way. So, you know, it's one of these things where if the defense is able to activate well, if they're able to break out well, then I think you immediately get a lot more offense generating that way. And then it's just up to the players. I mean, I think they have the pieces to really do a lot too, right? Like going back to what Greg said with a fourth line that was filled with nobodies. You know, as long as Benino is still alive and he's not like suffering from anything else, you know, including like being old, you know, <laughs> you know they're fine, right? Benino is an awesome defensive player. Goudreau will be, you know, serviceable there unless he's called up. You you pop VC on there. VC and Benino by themselves will be a sick, sick, sick defensively used fourth line.
1: So let, let's talk training camp as as we wind down here. I. I I think some of the reasons why people aren't as jazzed heading into this year compared to the years previous, not just the fact that the Devils kind of worked them in a seven game series, it's also that there aren't really fun questions looming yeah. over this team coming into the camp. Like the most important questions that need to be answered are essentially can Lexi Lafreniere stick on the right wing? Is Blake Wheeler going to be playing in the top six? Will Eric Gustafson get something out of Braden Schneider's game that was lacking last year? Will Phil Heedle win outright the two C job? And as soon as we are done with those four questions, there's really nothing else to ask. There there aren't like there aren't roster battles that we need to pay attention to. The Rangers did a really good job of getting in so much depth that we're not having a discussion about who's the 12th or 13th forward. Uh, totally. We know who the backup goalie is. We know who the seventh defenseman is. A lot of things are settled. So is this, in your eyes, a, a one, is this a good thing? And two, of those four questions, Lafreniere, Wheeler, Gustafson Schneider, and... Um, Heedle, uh, which of those four is the most interesting and important question to you? So, I, you know,
2: I feel like, you know, Laff, Wheeler, obviously, Kiel, Trocek are so intertwined, and a lot of it goes back to that Lafrenier, Trocek, Panarin line. Because depending, like, I think we know that Kreider, Zibanejad, and Kako should probably stay for now, right? And, you know, that's the other thing. Like, I don't mind, like, them switching lines up throughout the season, too. Like, it's 82 games. Like, it's a pain in the ass. But, you know, like if Trocek, Laff, and Panarin were that great offensively, I'm down to try that again. But that then essentially forces what, Ketel and Wheeler to be on the other line, which could be really fun too, because Wheeler is a good playmaker along the boards and Philip Ketel's super fast. So I think you could really work with both of them for the entire half of the season and see what happens, switch it up, right? You, you go 20 games of one line, then you go 20 games of Ketel between Lafreniere and Panarin. While you have Trocek with Wheeler and, you know, whoever else was that third line guy. And you just keep rotating it until you see what works. Ideally, both of those situations would be great because like you could sort of get the logic in it. Wheeler is not a goal scorer. He's a guy who will set them up and and he sets them up off of the boards. So you need a guy who drives straight and both Ketel and Trocek could do it. So I think... You just hope that whatever happens, you have, you know, you have Lafreniere and Kiedil with more minutes because you want to see them reach that next level in their career, and you're okay with Trocheck just being like this 50 point guy because that's sort of around his value and around his contract anyway. And if Wheeler is just setting him up, that'd be great. Like if if, if you're in that situation, that team is probably hitting that 290 goal mark. If we're being totally honest, it, it looks good. You know, like if, if you're looking at the team, like I think we're upset because they got dummied because they looked so dominant the first two games like they it's not even that they got dominated by the Devils. They literally let, you know, the foot off the gas like the Devils got killed by Carolina, you they know, did. they like, got absolutely destroyed, like just win one more game on accident. That's it. Like, you know, like they won so many games on accident. If, you know, if they won game seven on accident, we would have pretended nothing happened and we would have moved along. Plus, we would have been assholes on Twitter, which would have been fun. But Would, have, would have been the best. Ah. Lot,
0: since then, we've just been a sad lot. A real sad lot. All of us.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, I think that's I think that's the biggest problem. I think it's just like the way that they got out. You're like, yo, I can't get excited about it. Yo, the team is way better than it was at the start of the last year. You have Wheeler instead of Blay. You got, you know, Benino instead of Reeves. Like, the team is much, much deeper. And, like, their 13th forward, whether it's Pitlick or Belize, are really good players, you know, at least for what how they're used. Like, if you look at it, not even from the 1 to 23, but, like, the 1 through 30 players, like, yo, they could call guys up and probably be fine. You know, like, Mackie's better than Hayek. You know, like, a whole lot of stuff's going on. Big bar there. Yeah, right? Like, it's, <laughs> I think they're fine. I think the question is, like, how quickly could they get things to gel so maybe not having any real training camp issues or competition makes sense because live Eli could be like all right we're just sticking with this line let's give them 20 25 games let's let them ride and then you know if something's not working you make the switches after but i think it's pretty good you know like i think there's a lot of potential there to be successful especially if they could start moving pucks out better like if we see that a system lets that happen then i'm i'm like totally fine i think they'd be great
0: final question for me josh it's about lobulette actually um i was pretty out on the lobulette hiring from the start not as much as greg but but i would say similarly and all the other coaching staff hires that they've hired have given me a lot of copium a lot of hope myself totally. where, where yeah. it's like oh wow they're really taking this seriously they're they are legitimately trying to change the culture but then Laviolette can kind of bring it all down to a grinding halt by being an old school coach. Are you excited for him at all or do you th- I think he has a chance to actually write the ship just by doing his job because the last guy didn't.
2: Yeah, so you know the reason why I'm actually like pretty chill about it is because all of these new hires as great as they are have relationships with Laviolette. Right? It's not like they're bringing in a guy who's also really young or really good or like a visionary or yada 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 and be like, "Yo, That's it, right? Like dropped him off on the staff and called it a day. This almost also seems like hand-picked by Laviolette to be like, all right, like I know these guys. Like, you know, Housley would be great for almost every single young Ranger defenseman, right? He's not the greatest coach. But, you know, if we want Ke'Andre Miller to get, you know, that little bit of extra defensive development because he only started playing defense fairly recently, like what better player than Phil Housley, right? To help him walk the line a little bit better control the pucks a little bit better you know schneider to take that next step in terms of uh, breaking out he's the perfect defenseman for that like you don't need a defensive dude um if nobody if michael pekka can't teach them how to win faceoffs bro nobody can right so like i don't want anybody to be posting on facebook about that you know like (laughs) he's a great player you know he was a great player great defensive player I, i i think i listened to your guys episode last week um the guy was saying like in Rochester, like the way that he carries himself, like I'm I'm down, right? Like every single one of these hires are really really good. They hired the new sports, uh, you know, the sports data people a couple days ago, you know, new, you know, they got the like the Lightning's old like sports psychologist, you know, a younger medical trainer too is always great, you know. I think they're doing a lot of revamping, and I think that's really needed. You know, it's also showing the players like yo, like you have no other excuse. Like we are completely changing the entire environment in which you guys were in last year. Like even the, you know, the health stuff, like that's a, that's a big deal, right? Like every single one of these players have to now meet new medical professionals and like learn how they treat certain things or how they deal with certain aspects of chronic pain and healing and all of this other stuff. You know, the kinesiology stuff too, like the massages, everything, everything. So like everything is completely different. And I think that'll actually really help this team. That's, both locked in in terms of contracts and the fact that a lot of them have been together for such a while. So I think like shaking it up that way with these newer minds might be, might be really fun. I mean, you know, also like Laviolette's teams aren't horrible. They're just fine. And, but he also, you know, like we have a lot of talent on this roster and hopefully he just does enough that once it's playoff time, hopefully that they're ready to actually turn it on, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we were talking about the team and like, you know, Fox is mentioning it like, oh, they just wanted the playoffs to start last year. And then they couldn't turn it on after they had the two game lead right? Like they couldn't keep it going because it's all, it's all a mental thing. You, you got to train yourself for it. And like, you got to get ready to like meet that pushback. And if led's job is to scream at them and like train them in that aspect of it, like keeping them sharp while all those other guys help like set up like the drills and schemes i think it's a perfect combination at least for now and you know obviously they could always fire the guy who cares dolan has money
0: he does josh cannot thank you enough for calling in this was a uh, in one of the better ranger conversations we've had in a long time
2: <laughs> so I you guys made my commute back a lot easier i appreciate it
0: oh of course of course um people could follow you on twitter or x or whatever no
2: they can't i probably don't check my follower requests anymore but we'll see <clears throat>
0: we'll no see. they can't um, but I'll eventually talk about Josh's – whatever Josh is saying, I'll talk about. How about that? that yeah, worked? that'll work. Yeah. All right, sick. Josh, we love you. We'll talk to you later. See ya dude. Hey, we're back. All right, let's do uh, some five-star questions. We have mm. a couple, uh, and then we'll get into the Mia is what I'm calling it.
1: You got to stop putting the in front of a shortened version of the thing you want to say. It's Chester. just Mamma Mia.
0: Okay, mamma mia, (laughs) here we go again. Uh, So if if you want to leave a five-star question, you can go to Patreon, go to Mm -hmm. our Discord, go to Mm -hmm. our five-star Questions channel, Mm -hmm. leave them. We will read them on the show, Mm -hmm. as we do every single week. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one's from our dear friend Tom Ertz, who uh, is one of our longtime supporters. The Rangers, hiring of Laviolette, very much suggests they essentially have entered a cup or bust window. Didn't we answer this one already? Oh, we did. Yeah. We did. We sure did. I think last week. I got tricked because we read it the afternoon. Nice job. This is Jets Rangers. Hypothetical number retirement follow-up. Okay. With the middle ground Greg mentioned last week, Rangers create a ring of honor. Oh, step no. Step just below which players' number should stay retired. Okay. I, this is <laughs> – I don't want to really even answer the rest of this. Like, I don't – at this point, it's like either you're retired or you're not.
1: Yeah. It, it, what's What's the fucking difference? So nobody with the name Chris Kreider could ever play for the Rangers again? Is yeah, he like, says IMO, it's only one, two, seven,
0: eleven, and thirty, and the rest get Ring of Honor status.
1: Here's my thing though. Um why would Mark Messier get retired number status and not Ring of Honor status?
0: 'Cause he cause he was on a newspaper and he said I guarantee we'll win a cup. Yeah. That's
1: why. I mean, to be fair though, like Richter and Leach are your number of retirements from ninety four. And Messier, I get it, but he's kind of like the substitute teacher a little bit in this regard, I think. He's kind of just like the happy-to-be-here guy in my I eyes. I think we're
0: like one of the lowest people on Messier entirely. Which is good because he introduces our podcast
1: every week. He does. Yeah, we're the
0: host on him as, like, as a Ranger, I think, of most people. And I know it's blasphemous. Yeah, everyone's like, Mark
1: Messier was a legend. And then you and I come around and we're like, Mark Messier kind of sucked as a Ranger. He, he
0: was like, <laughs> I mean, he was good, but he wasn't. Mark Messier is an all-time NHL player. He holds sure. a lot of records. I, He's I unbelievable.
1: Just, Ryan and I will continue to beg you guys to go back and watch that had guaranteed hat, trick guarantee hat track game. the guaranteed
0: hat track game. The goals and
1: kind of sucked.
0: They don't kind of suck There was an empty netter, and two of them are kind of like a little tap ins that are very like, uh, okay. Yeah, uh, it's not like Mark Messier like went. You know, he did like a, a Michigan or something. Like, yeah, like yeah. Mark Messier
1: don't... didn't take the game over. It just so happened he scored three goals. Uh, Brian leach is the answer. Brian Leech is leach. the king. That's he's all I unbelie-
0: know. Go back and watch the series. <laughs> Brian Leach is unbelievable in every single game.
1: Going back and watching that series is why I bristle anytime someone says, you know, Patrick Kane, best American-born player of all Brian time. Brian Leach is ridiculous. <laughs> he <laughs> Brian Le- doesn't Brian slow down. Leach is, Brian Leach is better than everybody, he essentially. Doesn't
0: have, he doesn't have the cardio conditioning that today's players have, and somehow he's still playing like 40 minutes a night, mm. a pristine defense, and scoring 100 points. <laughs> he's
1: fucking <laughs> disgusting.
0: Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh this is from our I don't know if you saw this, if Fitz our dear friend Fitz posted it. Oh it was, no. No, it was, is who it was something
1: Kevon Looney
0: related. It was not. Uh it's it was who are the best four athletes you've seen in person? Oh, okay. Uh, I think I answered the question and one of them actually was Mookie Betts for me. Uh, oh, I wow. saw, Jesus I,
1: Christ! Making a Mookie podcast? Why not I know.
0: You? I, well, I saw him like beat the Yankees. Like I think he, uh, I think he would four for five with two home runs and just like stole a couple bases. It was an unbelievable performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, it's been like I don't know. Like him, I got the chance to see Jan- uh, Giannis in person. That was, um, by the way, he's very fucking good. What? And then I know right. And I saw Darrell Ye- Re- Revis the uh, the year he was incredibly good as well. <laughs> I don't know. Anybody else is kind of like
1: Henrik Lundqvist. Okay. That's the Hanks, answer. Hank's in my four. DeGrom's in my four. Yeah, he has to be. Um I never saw DeGrom in person. Well, you you missed out on some fun, fun viewing and entertainment there. Um, boy. It's it it's hard because you're trying to like on I wouldn't count the young Aaron Judge I saw when he was in low A baseball in Savannah. So similarly, I wouldn't count Mookie Betts. When he was in low A baseball playing. I saw a lot of fun people uh, when I lived in Savannah. And I kind of missed that. Um, Let's see. Hank DeGrom. We've seen McDavid in person. So I'm putting McDavid up there. I I do think what he does is different and special. He is. And then I'm trying to think basketball-wise. I haven't seen a ton of basketball games in person like when I saw MJ, it was Wizards MJ. When we saw when I saw Ewing, it was like second half of his career Ewing. Uh Vince Carter when he was prime raptors had a really disappointing game when I saw him in person. Um Sheesh. I don't think I've seen any good quarterbacks. Like the Andrew Luck game that I saw was a really bad Thursday night football game down in Jacksonville. So I'm not going to say Andrew Luck. Um, You know what? I'm going to say Carlos Beltran. Hey, there's a good one. Yeah, I think people sleep on him. I, I To this day, Beltran, I think, in my humble opinion, um, took so much shit as a great player. One, because of what happened at the end of 2006 National League Championship Series, which again... Not Beltron's fault in my eyes. It shouldn't have even come down to his at bat for it to matter. But then, two, he was one of those guys that made everything look easy that it looked like he wasn't trying. The way I can recall two instances where Beltron leaped up, robbed a home run off someone's bat at Shea Stadium. And because he was so nonchalant and smooth about it, that it looked like a routine catch. And it wasn't even one. This is back in the day when a sports center top 10 fucking mattered.
2: It and it wouldn't matter. even
1: sniff the top 10 because, again, he just made it look too easy. I truly think Beltron is in my top four. That dude was special, special. And he's going to be a Hall of Famer. And MET fans are going to have to come to terms with the fact that he's likely going to wear a MET hat in the Hall of Fame. I, I don't know how else to explain this to them.
0: This is just uh, an ambulance outside my house. So that's oh, I good thought pod- it was outside my house for a that's second. Good,
1: good podcasting.
0: All right. hope everyone's okay. Yeah, they're coming uh, to get me for my Carlos this, Beltran take. This, this, is, a new, uh, this is from Bretley, this next question. It's a lot of names. so oh boy. Uh, Good times. Knowing the NHL is primed for a huge cap jump next year, which is following the 2024 UFA, which of the following 2024 UFAs is getting the worst contract? Bear with me. I typed the list out. Stamkos, I would say not the worst contract. Nylander, probably getting a good contract. Probably a contract he deserves. Shifley, possible. Gunsel? Mm. Gensel? Gensel. Gensel, I fixed myself. Bertuzzi? Tara Vinen? Um. Show? Lindholm? zook shea alec martinez not that definitely not that
1: uh ta- um tanev montour flurry i think uh, to answer your question pretty bluntly i think it's gonna be bertuzzi i think so too because people marshall's on there he he might get overpaid yeah but at least like bertuzzi he does he's just like ah he's a he's a old-fashioned gritty Hockey pan paper, sandpaper, hockey player. He might like, get a
0: seven year contract that's like eight million dollars plus. Oh yeah, and he's, like just he's not not getting that.
1: more money than Kyle Ocposo, which was a really bad contract when Kyle Ocposo got it. Yes. Cause he does he does the he does the things on the ice that a score sheet just can't pick up. And I'm like, okay. All cool. right. I get Very it. Very cool. I understand. I I understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. I, I I I hear what you're trying to say. It's that he's an asshole and you like him for it, which is fine but I don't think that makes a good hockey player. Um, Yeah, I think it's going to be Bertuzzi. I think he gets, I truly believe he gets no less than seven years somewhere.
0: Uh, this this is a good question from Stinkface McPoop Lightning. Mm. <laughs> Chris Jury in the calendar year of 2023 acquired Tarasenko, Kane, Mott again at the deadline. Resigned Keandre Miller for 3.8 million. Resigned Filippito for 4.4 million. Reportedly at the time of this post, resigned Alexis Lafreniere for 2.3 million. Scooped up Blake Wheeler, Jonathan Quick, and Nick Bonino on free agency day. Got all his business done in one day. And I know that season hasn't started yet, but it, he's to uh, to say he hasn't been the best GM in 2023 but it's safe to say he's had a hell of a year so far. Uh yeah, I think Chris Drury has been one of the better better GMs in the sport. I think he finished in top in GM voting last year as well. He's getting he's building what is what we've always kind of wanted, which is that quote unquote lightning culture where guys take discounts to stay and Philadelphia is one of those. Uh, Keandre I, not I
1: would love to have a conversation with Phil Heedle's agent.
0: I don't understand why he did it. I'm very happy he did. I don't get it. Um, Keandre rightfully took the bridge, and he's he's expressed multiple times that he wants to get paid for his family, as he fucking should. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the rest of everything Chris Drury's done, uh, and actually, I think we can go to uh, Leshik's question, which is right after this, and we can kind of join these together. And Leshik asks, with the multitude of different front office and behind the scene hires, do you think Drury has a much longer leash? from Dolan that we might have initially thought. These are great hires for long-term success and development, which I, I feel would be less of a priority for Drury if he was worried about being canned in the next couple of years.
1: Um, No, to, to answer it bluntly, um, no GM should be making moves because they don't think... Like, Chris Drury should be making moves assuming he's going to be here for 10 years, even if that's not the case. That's how I want my general managers to act. If my general manager was acting on a year-to-year basis and wondering whether um, they're going to keep their jobs, that's how you trade all your future first-round picks for also rants. So I, my hope is that Drury... The goal with a, a successful GM is, one part, want him to build a winner right now, but two parts, want him to change the mind and attitude of my owner for the situation in which Chris Drury is not here. So I want... If if it doesn't work out with Chris Drury and Drury gets fired at the end of this year, my goal and my hope and my dream is that Drury did a good enough job to imprint on James Dolan that analytics and a built out front office is a better recipe than just hoping the dude with the cigar is going to whisper some sweet nothings into your ear. Um but no, I don't I it's James Dolan. I don't think the leash is all that long. I think if the Rangers crash out in the first round of the playoffs, much like they did this year, I it's hard for me to see a scenario in which Chris Drury, if that's not strike three, it's strike two. And then we're, we're on the countdown.
0: I think we're on the countdown if this year is a total disaster. Uh, I, I, I think Chris is doing all the right things. I think he's trying to build his own culture, put all of his own people in place from every single part of the organization. Anybody who had former thoughts will never know what happened with Ramsey. So I'm not going to even speculate, but it is part, partially that he's, changing every part to be in tune with what he's doing. He's a very calculated guy. He's well-liked around the league for how calculated he is. Um, I've never heard anything particularly but great things about the way he treats people in, in terms of relationships and, and,
1: and management. But, was it, do you disagree? No, I just wonder how many people were in the room when uh, Drury was said to be great and awesome. and you know. uh, Like two? Probably uh, like two. Yeah, and I think one of them is Chris You know what I mean? like it's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, not, listen, two, it could be Two could people be nice. who
0: might not think Chris Drury is so great are now working for
1: two different organizations. True, true. <laughs> and listen, all I'm saying is I know enough people from Trumbull where – Okay,
0: you've been into it. You've, yeah, you've yeah. said all that All I'm saying is
1: there's a two-faced nature to those people. You know what I mean? He,
0: uh, Chris Drury is at least, for for what he's done – Try to ingrain himself as much as possible to make himself less fireable. But that will not matter to a man who will fire anybody.
1: Yeah. That's it. James Dolan fired John Davidson like twice. (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
0: and he was right. But John (laughs) Davidson is incredibly likable and everybody loves him. But he was right to fire him twice.
1: Yeah, I mean, John Davidson is so likable and everybody loves him that John Davidson had the balls to go out there and be like, my boss is a fucking idiot and feel confident that he wouldn't get fired for saying it as much. And he did. And he, then he did. And he did. Well, that's been BSB. That's all we got. Well, what do you mean? it's Sir? Oh, sorry. Mama Mia. Here Mama we go again. Mama Mia. All right. So, what was the topic? Go on. Okay. So, the pre- you're familiar with the premise of Mama Mia, right? Not really. Okay. Amanda Seafrid, 20 year old, about to be married, unsure of who her father is, finds what I can only describe, Ryan. And this is the toned down version of it. Uh, her mom's sex diary. Okay, That's the good. only way I know how to describe what this good, book is. Good start for Mama Mia. Right, because it's clear Amanda Seaford, the movie opens Amanda Seaford in full song with her two friends, so I'm sure they're friends. Uh is finds her mom's diary and what at three different instances in this diary around the time in which Amanda Seaford would have been conceived. Meryl Streep writes the words, and one thing led to another, dot, dot, dot. So, this book is Meryl Streep's sex book. That's all cool. that you need to know about that. Nice. Here's my here's the big first problem I have with this movie. Meryl Streep, one of the most beautiful human beings that have ever graced Earth. She turned 40 at one age and stopped aging thereafter. However, it's made clear throughout this movie that a big reason why Amanda Seyfried doesn't know who her father is, is partly because when Meryl Streep got pregnant, she was thrown out of the house by her parents, which to me signifies Meryl Streep probably was knocked up sometime between the ages of 17 and 20, right? Like, you have to be young enough where your parents could actually throw you out of the house. You have to be reliant on your parents for housing. And I think once you turn 24, if your parents throw you out of the house, it's because you're a bum. That kind of deal? You what know what I, I, mean? I mean? Yeah, sure. So I'm... Here's my problem. Meryl Streep, at the time of this filming, I think was in her 50s. Am I to believe she's 38 in this movie? Um, should I look up Meryl Streep, Mamma Mia? Yeah, it was 2008. Okay.
0: I believe I, I, she was... I guess so. I'm looking now. Uh, there's there's a lot going on here. Uh, this is a terrible podcast.
1: She was <laughs> She was 59. Uh, when Mama Mia was released.
0: Wow. She was 59 in 2008? 59.
1: And again, her daughter that is about to be married, who doesn't know who her dad is, is 20. So okay. if you're telling me that Meryl Streep was kicked out of the house at 39 by her parents because she was pregnant, that's more okay. about Meryl Streep than it is She's, about anything else. Seems reasonable. <laughs> so, so my question is, is Mama Mia a better movie If Drew Barrymore plays the Meryl Streep role instead of Meryl Streep, someone more believably that's late thirties in 2008. This is one of the most Bill Simmons takes you've ever had in your life. (laughs) 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 And then she also has two friends that were apparently bandmates. The uh, Meryl Streep was the lead singer of a punk rock band. This is what I'm led to believe. Um, Okay. But again, her bandmates are equally comfortably 50 So is it a better movie if it's Drew Barrymore with her bandmates J-Lo and uh, Cameron Diaz? I would say, no, I was going to say Cameron Diaz. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yes. Because I think 2008 J-Lo, you can get her in a movie like Mamma Mia. A musical with J-Lo? Come on. I'm sort of confused by this whole conversation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what am I doing? I don't know anything about Mamma Mia. I know ABBA. Like, I know how, like... They just have hits. Yeah, shit's oh,
1: bangers. Movie. But for, And I, I want to make clear, incredibly enjoyable movie. I think everyone should see it. But again, I'm stuck on the fact that Meryl Streep's playing the mom to a 20-year-old who the entire thing is like, I wish I knew who my dad was. And Meryl Streep is just like comfortably 60. She's 60 years old? Okay, yeah. yeah. not Maybe not the best casting.
0: Maybe <laughs> we, Maybe we did something better.
1: Also, uh, at some point, Colin Firth is one of the three questionable dads and had... I I might have to go back and watch the movie because I'm pretty sure I'm usually paying attention to these kind of things. And we just get to a point in the movie where Colin Firth essentially announces he's gay, and now I'm just confused. How did that happen? Where did we – how did we end up here is what I need to know. I do not know. I do need to end the podcast,
0: though. That's been talking Mamma Mia with my friends. Okay, uh, we will – Be back with BSBOT later this week, and uh, we love you guys. See you then. Bye. Hey, it's the end of the show, so I want to thank our NHL Insider Club members for making this show possible, along with the rest of our Patreons, but I like to mess up all these people's names at the end of every single show. Despite reading them a million times, I always mess it up. Seems almost impossible at this point, but yet here we are. Adam Cassie, Adam Cohen. Adam Cortulo, Adam Linder, Adam Keech, Alex Flynn, Al- Alex Gardner, Amber Cohensberger, Andrew Ronner, Anthony Gray, Anthony Mortoro, Anthony Terragata. Why'd I do that? Tana Greta. Why, Anthony, I've been messing up your name so much recently. Reading is so fundamental and hard. Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Ben Lo Mayer, Bill Olson, Bill Rattel, B- B- Brendan Lacos, Brendan Magnum, Brett Granger, B- Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Daugherty, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon. My brain just stopped working. Again, I know all these names by heart at this point. Brian Farrell By heart, meaning I can... I Never mind. You get what I'm saying. Cassidy Roman, Chris Vanelli, Chris Harris, Chrissy DeSellin, Cari B. Damage, Daniel Delaney, Daniel DeZen, David Siegel, Dennis Dice, Darian, Eric Sag, Garrett Gar- Gar- Rainis. Greg talks about the Mets in the opening, actually. Gar- Gar- Gretzky, Harrod McFly, Hayek Wavers, Harrison Hasco, Hello Vanilla, Hippie Rodriguez, Jake Bagley, James Masker, Jerry Marquez, Jason Stumer, Jason Zambranski, Jamie Mack, John Hardesty, John, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kestembaum, Chris from Florida, Christoph Berg, Leshik Gronowski, Lou Giordano, Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kime, Meepall the Cat, Ma- Michael Koenig, Mike Bucklaw, Mike Manascu, Mike Pasternak, Nate Hannafee, Neil Grover, Nicholas Nicola other slash, Pascal Perrier, PJ Smith, Pavel, Phoenix Edition, PJ Sparrow, Pearl Tex Gamer, Randy Tesser, Swingart, Tagda, Seamus, the drop PKU, Tommy Siclari, Tommy Dadeshi, Tommy O'Neal, Tony Gregory, Tori from Manhattan, Vinnie Brocco, Vinnie Hey, Wayne E. Will Specter, and Winston the Golden Retriever. Bark, 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 Bark. Thank you all. Uh, so we pre-recorded some episodes yesterday. We will be releasing in the following weeks. Uh, the September 12th episode will be. Are 12 bold predictions and the 12, as I say, 12 bold, but I do that. Dude, my brain is so weird. 10 bold predictions. And then we will be releasing good hangs part three where Greg, um, does a number on me. I would say, uh, on September 19th and I will return on the 25th. Um, so I'll be back from vacation at that point in time on the 26th. We, and we will record. I will be jet lagged out of my, goddamn mind but we will have actual rangers hockey to talk about because it's september 24th the preseason has started we could overreact to literally everything and you could join us for that moment so love you all thank you all for listening it's been a long summer we are almost there to actual hockey and hopefully what i can only imagine will be a fun season right guys right rangers okay love you guys talk to you later bye